Welcome to Actions Antidotes, your antidote to the mindset that keeps you settling for less. On this podcast, we're not trying to tell you exactly what your dreams should be, what your definition of success should be, or what specific actions you should take. A lot of it's all about mindset. However, one key component to a lot of different stories about people reaching whatever their definition of success is, is a story of personal transformation. And with that being said, I would like to introduce you to today's guest, Rick Harrigan, who has his own personal transformation story, not only about his transformation, but about how he's helping others with their journeys. Welcome, Rick. Thank you, Stephen. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. How are you doing today? I am doing great. Just trying to stay warm. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's been been kind of a crazy winter. It's kind of weird. A lot of the beginning of winter was like kind of not that bad, a lot of milder weather, but then all around the country the last couple of weeks, it's just been like really cold. Yeah, that Arctic low pressure system <laughs> sinking down into into as far as Texas. It's been pretty crazy indeed. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I saw I think an Instagram photo from Austin with a snow covered, you know, front yard, the kind you'd see my friends from Chicago and, and on Long Island, but not necessarily down in Texas. Definitely a different, different feel. Totally. And actually millions of people without power right now. So I hope they're doing okay. Definitely. So let's start with talking about your own story of personal transformation. Where were you before you underwent your transformation? Yeah, absolutely. I think actually a large part of it starts even in my youth and just sort of the messaging that I received about expectations and success and and what they meant. And that's to say that I came from a pretty blue collar background, not pretty blue collar, absolutely blue collar, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where you know the, the idea of success was very much around this white collar, success was pegged to wealth and the white picket fence and, and a lot of material things because money was always a source of, of frustration and a lot of gnashing of teeth when I grew up. So mm -hmm. that became somewhat ingrained. And then I went on to college and just sort of stumbled into media and became a corporate executive in the entertainment realm in Los Angeles for was 20 years when all was said and done. And over that period, it started well. And then as my career progressed, I started making more and more money, got the family, got the kid and the mortgage and all of that stuff. And I was doing what I thought I was supposed to do, what mm -hmm. I should be doing. But there was this little voice whose volume increased and increased that was saying, this is not <laughs> what you're supposed to be doing. This is not right for you. And quite frankly, by the time I hit my 30s, I was by and large pretty miserable. It was the classic story of successful on the outside, miserable on the inside. And I ended up feeling constrained by the golden handcuffs where I was making a lot of money, had a lot of bills and expenses and expensive cars and things like that. So I felt like I couldn't get out. I felt mm. stuck by the circumstances that I felt I was supposed to create in my life. And it was really a dead end street. I ended up feeling completely burnt out, completely frustrated, completely stuck, completely disconnected, kept this sunny, cheery disposition on the outside, but on the inside realized that what I was doing was not touching any deeper sense of self 
or contributing to the world or contributing to society. I felt like a mercenary Hmm. who was strictly making money for a corporation. And then finally, when I reached the point where I was probably days away from a nervous breakdown. <laughs> and this was this was Los Angeles, mind you. So mm-hmm. there was a lot of, you know, long commutes and things like that. I just kind of had an epiphany. I read A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle for the third time. I don't know why. I just felt <laughs> compelled to read it yep. one more time. And it just kind of landed with me because I realized the answers to my frustrations and feeling stuck did not lie outside. They all were inside. yeah. Yeah. It was just a bit of a spiritual epiphany, but it was enough of an opening where I could empower myself to seek some guidance, to say enough is enough, and Mm -hmm. to look inward to find the answers that I needed. So what I did was I, I found my own sort of coach slash guru slash psychologist and started answering the really big questions that I had never answered because I just quite frankly fell into a life. A couple of questions about that whole experience. Yeah. First of all, as you were pursuing this corporate executive in Hollywood role, was there any part of you that felt like something might be missing at the time or were you just so much riding on that high from I'm doing exactly what all my blue collar family friends back home always dreamed of, I should just go with it. That was definitely the case a little more so in the beginning and also just feeling financially compelled. Because when I rolled into Los Angeles, I I was driving a 1985 Plymouth Horizon and I had one plastic bag full of CDs and another of clothes (laughs) and about 80 bucks in my pocket. To answer your question more directly, yes, that sense was always there. There was always this sense of like, this is okay for now. I'll get to the really meaningful stuff. And every year that just wasn't happening. I was in what many people refer to as just drift. You know, I was just drifting along and externally it wasn't very painful, but internally that pain continued to amplify and amplify year after year Oh yeah, (laughs) until it became unbearable. One question I have about this period of drift, I noticed that any, anyone that goes through or pretty much everyone has some sort of a distraction mechanism, whether it be drugs, alcohol, or just overuse of technology or sleeping around or something like that. Did you have a a thing that was distracting you from that? Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, And and it was booze. Part of my job was taking clients out on the expense account to fancy dinners and events and movie premieres, TV show premieres, and all of that revolved around having drinks. So three, three, four days a week, I was out. And you know yeah. the expectation was to lubricate <laughs> both <laughs> both myself because I'm naturally an introvert, and then lubricate your clients. <laughs> but yeah. as as that inner voice amplified and amplified, and that sense of disconnect and lack of fulfillment amplified, and it became a problem. Quite frankly, I was drinking mm-hmm. too much, and that ultimately was a big part of my transformation. Was recognizing. Nothing's going to change until I create clarity and stop drinking. Would you say to anyone that is engaged in some sort of activity, regardless of what it is, I 
recorded previous podcasts that discuss the the idea of not even it being necessarily like a specific item like alcohol or drugs, but just the idea of being perpetually busy, for example. Do you feel like people who are engaged in these things are simply just buying time until something, some kind of internal mechanism eventually brings you to the point where you have to have a reckoning? More or less, ultimately, you're lucky if you do have a reckoning <laughs> that, <laughs> that you survive and can come out the other side of. Uh, many people never have that reckoning or that reckoning is such that their lives are destroyed in some way, Ooh. shape or form. So as you went about your journey, what made you eventually decide, I'm going to go seek out a coach? What made you make that specific decision? Yeah, I think it was equal parts misery, you know, just reaching the boiling point where I could no longer take it. And at that same time, whether it be serendipitous or <laughs> simply because yeah. I was seeking it, I did have that glimpse of a spiritual epiphany as well in terms of connecting with something a little bigger than myself, a deepening of presence. Hmm. Um, ultimately, that's what created that opening. So rather than glossing over this misery via alcohol or busyness, yeah. I got really present and really took a breath and gave myself the opening to really look inside. Mm. And that's when I realized I don't have these answers. I was never equipped with the tools to find these answers. I need help. <laughs> uh, and that was the greatest decision I ever made in my life was just seeking help, recognizing the pattern year after year after year, the, the golden handcuffs, so to speak. And that's when I decided to seek help and work with a, a coach. Now, tell me about your work with a coach, because from what you told me before, it sounds like it's a little bit different than your standard career coaching service. Yeah. So this individual was kind of straddling the line between coach spiritual guru and licensed psychologist with, with his PhD and everything. So we did a lot of deep psychological work dealing with some childhood stuff, but you know, running it all through the filter of who are you and who do you want to mm -hmm. be moving forward? So we started answering the really big questions <laughs> yeah. about life that I had never really answered. I mean, I had a pretty good sense of who I was. I mean, there was a reason why I felt so miserable. And it's because I wasn't aligned with who I truly was. But, you know, it takes a bit of an objective lens to really pop the hood and look under there and, and see what's really going on. What are your values? What are your beliefs? What are your strengths and morals and ultimately your purpose? So, yeah. So how long did it take you to, to find that, that spot? It took a solid six months of internal work and deprogramming some limiting beliefs and assumptions and, and things like that that weren't serving me. And then reprogramming with empowering beliefs and a positive belief system so that ultimately, you know, I felt empowered to stand up and say, these are my values. This is how I'm going to live and this is my unique definition of success, not the mm -hmm. one that was foisted on me by my parents or society or teachers or so on and so forth. As you pursue this path, you pursued this 
six-month intense regiment of self-discovery. What did you hear from, say, the people who had originally imparted this version of success onto you, your, your people from your upbringing and stuff like that? You know, by this point, my father had passed away. My mother actually had Alzheimer's. So they weren't really in mm. the picture in terms of being able to offer me feedback. But I did get... So one of the things my, my father always did tell me was be your own boss. <laughs> Interesting. And yeah, but then there was this whole idea of like be successful and, and make money too. You know, I realized that as I was living into this, finding your unique purpose, finding your unique definition of success and living according to your values is being your own boss because living purposefully is the ultimate, <laughs> ultimate life, ultimate yeah. job in life. You know, it's, it's the ultimate in job security if you can live purposefully. So I know, you know, had my dad seen this, he absolutely would have been on board. And, you know, my mom as well. As for the other people in my life, one of my fears throughout my years in the corporate world was, what are they going to say? You know, the yep. infamous they, and, the, and I'm air quoting that, you know, what are people going to think? What are they going to say? Mm -hmm. And as I started uh, essentially making these wholesale changes in my life, you know, quitting the job, announcing that I was moving, announcing that I had decided to become a, a career and life purpose coach, Everybody that mattered in my life was unanimously on board and oh, incredibly nice. supportive. Yeah. Mind if I applaud that for a second? That's <laughs> for sure. That means you found the right people. Uh, yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm blessed to have loving family and really good friends, which all of my concerns surrounding that were utterly unfounded. Mm -hmm. Um you know, there may have been some observers that thought that dude is crazy. How can he walk away from this income? But, you know, they weren't a part of this process as I was going through it. They fell by the wayside just naturally. Definitely. And I think there are two fantastic mindset moments out of that portion of the story. Number one is, of course, a lot of times when people get afraid of something, you're more afraid of something that might happen or you think is going to happen rather than something that's actually happening. And sometimes I compare that to, say, when you're 15, 16 years old, I don't know, when the first time you go and ask someone out and you're always afraid of rejection, right? And the same thing the first time if you're starting a business, the first time you ask for, first time you pitch someone, the first time you go to 1 million cups, which is like a live action version of Shark Tank here in Denver. Uh-huh. It's yes. a really, really interesting idea can't wait till it's in person again, that yeah. we're oftentimes more afraid of, of something that's either worse in our minds or probably not going to happen. That uncomfortable conversation that we all need to have with people that we care about from time to time, we always have in our head, someone's going to blow up at you. Someone's going to yell something at you, be overly critical at you. And that even those things are oftentimes not as big of a deal as we make them out to be if they do happen, but usually they don't happen. Usually that negative criticism, or in a lot of cases, they don't happen, but we're sitting here getting very flustered about it. And the other important mindset moment is this idea of be your own boss, because I see a lot of glorification of the idea of being your own boss, and it's a really great thing, but I think oftentimes we have too narrow 
have an idea of what it means. Like be your own boss is only like you successfully started up a company and you have very, I don't know, open-minded or very agreeable investors that never force you to do anything different than what you want to do. And, or you're like (laughs) the ultimate freelancer that just sits there and get your stuff. There's no one formula for success. And so it's good to hear something say there's some sort of that spirit of be your own boss, even in the sense that you took some level of control of your life. Even if someone goes to a spiritual journey and say, what they end up with is a different nine to five job or a different standard employment job, but one more aligned, as you put it. And I'm sure you have plenty of stories about people who have undergone process like this. And so that's a good transition. Tell us right now about your coaching service, because you've also taken some of that spirit of not your standard coaching service. Absolutely. You, you really hit the nail on the head there with that unique definition of success is the only way to be successful, is to understand what your own definition of success in life, in career, in relationships looks like. Many of us never take a step back uh, Mm. to really crystallize what that looks like. Uh, That is a very large part of my coaching. And it's a a very much an inside-out approach, whereas the, the end results may look like a different career or a promotion or finding your career or increased productivity or profitability, it all starts on that inner journey into things like values, into that unique definition of success, into your beliefs and moral code, perhaps your spirituality, defining that a little bit more, Mm -hmm. and getting really crystal clear on simply who you are and getting really aligned behind that. Because, you know, purpose is not something that takes place outside of ourselves. Purpose is about a sense of being and living into your sense of being. And I I really think Maya Angelou put it the best in, Mm. in her brilliance, which is she said, success is liking yourself, liking what you do and liking how you do it. That at the end of the day is the core unshakable definition of purpose really is liking yourself, liking what you do and and liking how you do it in every moment of your life. And when you get really clear on that, you are bulletproof. So we said liking what you do, liking how you do it and liking who you are. Yeah. Success is liking yourself, liking what you do and liking how you do it. So do you often encounter people who come in, say like when they're first beginning their journey and, and come to you for coaching? that are in the exact opposite state where they hate themselves, they hate what they do and they hate how they do it. Is that a common state of being? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. I know I shouldn't um, be laughing. It, it is. I, I can laugh because I was there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's easy to laugh uh, when you've 100%. gone through it and yeah. to the other side. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and I always say in, in my self-deprecating moments, you know, if I could do it, Anybody could do it because I was in a bad place, my friend. Sure. (laughs) What I hear more often than anything is I have no idea what I want to do. All I know is I can't do this anymore. And that's exactly where I was. And I hear that all across the spectrum, ages, economic status, et cetera, et cetera, whether it's a 20-something who's just getting started 
or a 40 something who was in a position like myself where they're just feeling stuck and unfulfilled, there's a, a lack of clarity there that a lot of people find themselves in, in many ways, because we've never really been encouraged to define those things about ourselves like values, purpose, what my unique definition of success is. And that's what I look to do in my coaching. And that, that's fantastic because one of the ideas I have behind this podcast is that adopting the right mindset is something that knows no generation. I have some other episodes where I discuss with people how different generations respond to different things, but it knows no generation. It knows no gender. It knows no nationality. It's kind of a a common theme to a lot of people in our lives. Like we all, I don't say all, but a lot of us end up in that point where we're saying, I do know what it's like to be in that spot where it's like, I don't know what I want to do, but I know I just can't keep doing this. So it sounds like your situation inspired you to almost, I want to say pay it forward. And you're helping people that are in the spot where you used to be. How does that contribute to your ability to help your clients now? Great question. And that is exactly what I decided to do, which was pay it forward. Having walked through those fires and experienced it firsthand, it gives me a point of relatability with them, Mm -hmm. an ability to really empathize and creates a deeper understanding, having felt that way, having gone through the process of self-discovery and the process, the path to purpose, and having found an external expression of Mm -hmm. that purpose. So I've walked through those fires of self-transformation, which I think gives me a unique empathy and perspective on how people are feeling to do it themselves. Yeah. So you definitely feel the way that the person who comes into your coaching service and says exactly how you put it, I don't know what I want. I just can't do this anymore. You exactly feel it. So there's no even possible way that you can judge them, even if you wanted to, because you say, well, I've been through that as well. I believe that we are always the totality of our experiences and I'll always be that Rick Harrigan that was 39 years old and feeling utterly lost. Mm -hmm. You know, that is part of who I am. And I can relate and empathize and have literally no judgment about whatsoever about anybody who may be feeling that way. And another great point for the listeners out there is oftentimes this pressure to have certain things figured out by a certain age. I know we as a culture tend to be quite forgiving of the 23, 24, 25 year old that still doesn't have their, their shit together. There's a certain time, 30, 35, when society, it feels to me, becomes a little bit in general, less forgiving of people that haven't figured it out yet. When in some cases, I think I remember hearing someone say some of the most interesting people that I know are already like in their fifties and they ha- still don't believe they have it all figured out. For anyone that's listening right now that feels like they should have gotten to a further along point in self-discovery by the age that they're at, a little bit of self-forgiveness would go a long way. The other thing I'm kind of wondering is, did starting your coaching service give a little bit of a little bit of closure, I guess, to the experiences that you've had before? Like now all of a sudden, this has led me to something. Oh, 100%. And and that kind of dovetails with your point of it's never too late, really. And be gentle with yourself no matter where you are on that path. Because on one hand, sure, do I wish that I had 
found these answers in my early 20s? Absolutely. But on another hand, I'd never be where I was and able to help the people that I help had I not experienced it firsthand. I have come (laughs) to cherish and value all of those experiences as making me who I am. And that's Mm -hmm. that's a really crucial part of living purposefully is really loving yourself and loving every aspect of your experience and valuing every aspect of your experience because that empowers you to create the story you want to create from that experience. So I'm no longer victim to any of those things that occurred. They're just fuel that are propelling me forward to help even more people. Yeah. And that's great. One of the most important things in my own self-transformation journey was to no longer be a victim. That's actually something I would advocate to anyone. And I have a pretty sinister reason for adapting that mentality, which is just me looking at people who are victims and saying, I would not want to trade lives with them. And me looking at people that were not victims and saying, oh, these people seem pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. You know, as, as they say, you know, every day you can make a choice to start, stop or change something. You know, a large part of, of the coaching process is getting people at the cause of their lives rather than at the effect of their lives. And before I went through my own transformation, I was very much at the effect of my life, you know, mm. had a bit of a woe is me approach. Oh, my childhood was bad, so I can excuse all of this. And, you know, these things just are happening and I'm just going with the flow. And, you know, I was just drifting and just accepting uh, and tolerating more so than anything. That was, you know, that was the changing point for me was just reaching that point, like we discussed earlier, where enough is enough. I've got to get at the cause of my life and start writing the story that I want to write rather than having this story written for me. That is an exercise in a little bit of taking control a bit over your life, which is weird because I feel like people focused on the effects tend to try to control others, while people focused on the cause tend to say, I can control myself and oddly enough, end up with more control for having (laughs) done that transformation. Now, before we wrap up, there's a couple other things I wanted to cover. First of all, for any listeners that do want to get a a hold of you, want to find out more about your coaching services, uh, please tell us the web address or where we can go about finding you. Sure. It's easy peasy. Just rickharrigan.com. R-I-C-K-H-A-R-R-I-G-A-N.com. Definitely. And as always, it'll be on my website, the the link there. Also, the, the final thing I want to cover is, what would you say to someone who is struggling, but hearing about this six month long journey and all the introspection sounds intimidating to them. What would you say to to that particular person? First off, I would say my process doesn't take six months. (laughs) (laughs) It's more of a three to four month process because over the years I've honed I honed a lot of what I learned in my own process and created I guess you could say more efficient processes. Also, I was digging out of a lot of deeper psychological wounds that in my coaching practice, I don't cover that. And I think most of my clients that do come to me aren't digging out of such deep wounds. So it is about a three to four month process, but think of three to four months in the scope of your life 
and think about it in terms of the exciting, amazing <laughs> journey into self that quite frankly, you get to take and the time, you know, one of the things about finding flow and, and purpose in life is that time becomes less and less important. So even the process itself is actually really fun uh, and mm-hmm. exciting. And it creates all of this, these new vistas and horizons in your life that are all exciting and all positive. So three to four months in, in the grand scheme of things is a blip. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> on, on the purpose radar. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that because a lot of people are thinking very much day to day, week to week. I actually feel like our corporate culture kind of encourages that a little bit, or at least thinks of everything as check off your Q1 goals right now, Mm. as opposed to kind of thinking about it in kind of a broader lifetime span. One final question for anyone listening right now, what's the number one thing someone can do tomorrow morning to get into a better mindset? Yeah. Invest in being present. We can paper over these things or, or try to lubricate this misalignment that we feel on a deeper level with things like, you know, you're jumping right on your phone right away, or you're jumping right into your busy day, or you're drinking too much, or you're gambling too much, or whatever. If you can find a little presence, a little moment to just be and maybe turn your gaze inward that can create the opening that you need. It may seem painful and daunting, (laughs) but I promise you it is not. (laughs) It is exactly what we need is just that presence, that just that pause where we can let these inner things that are dying to be expressed and aligned with our external lives come out. Definitely. And that seems especially pertinent in our current state of our culture where if you want to be, you can be perpetually distracted, right? If you were in the 18th century writing things with one of those quill pens or whatever Thomas Jefferson used to write the Declaration of Independence, oftentimes, you know, there's hours, there's a day where there's nothing to do, but watch the fire keep you warm in the evening hours or something like that. Whereas now you can easily throw a phone in front of your face. You can grab the infinite number of books, magazines, just always takes conscious effort to take time to actually just let your brain process the information that's coming to you as opposed to just constantly consuming and absorbing more. Yes, we need that space. And I'll add bonus points if you can get into nature. <laughs> and Yeah, <do> it. <laughs> for sure. And that's one of the things what us in Colorado are a little bit lucky at. Someone in Manhattan probably It'll take a little while longer to get, you know, Central Park. (laughs) Yeah, there's going to be like 50,000 other people there. But even our approach to nature can be very doing oriented. Like I have to go for a hike or I have to mountain climb or ski or I have to get there and do something. But if you can get there and just sit and be, nature offers an even greater, deeper, vaster, more amazing container for us to create that space. So just get into some nature and just be for a while. That is an amazing thought to wrap up everything on because I feel like my generation in Colorado are especially guilty of making nature into another thing to do, especially with these ski apps that measure your vertical feet and then (laughs) kind of compete with each other. Like I got 35,000 today. (laughs) Um, Wonderful. Anyway, it is fantastic to hear about your journey. Thank you very much for joining us today. I would 100% echo that. I just want to thank you, Stephen, for having me on today. It's been an absolute pleasure. I really enjoy chatting with you. 
Definitely. Thank you very much. And stay tuned for more Actions Antidotes, where I will feature more interesting stories from people like Rick, who have undergone some kind of transformation and have built something that's helping make our world a better place. And hopefully you will all be inspired. 